I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 11. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckberg. Hi, Broker Nation. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Mark Good. Mark is a mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Centers. He's located in Aurelia, Ontario, and he's been a mortgage broker for the last 13 years. Hey, Mark, how's it going today? Great. How are you? Good. I'd just like to start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. Well, I got into the mortgage business uh, through my cousin. He uh, thought I'd be uh, a great uh, candidate to possibly go into this business. Uh, I worked for actually him before in sales, and uh, he thought uh, this would be a terrific uh, business for me to to get into. And in regards to uh, myself, uh, basically, I thought uh, that would be a, a terrific industry as well. I could work when I wanted to work. I could, uh, you know, work as hard as I wanted to work, and, and virtually earn as much money as I wanted to uh, to, to earn. So. The lifestyle uh, is what intrigued me to actually get into mortgaging, uh, mortgage brokering, and uh, basically that's you know why it, it kind of led me to that to this uh, market for sure. And then, um, so what did you do prior to getting into being a broker? Well, prior to immediately prior to uh, getting into uh, brokering, uh, I worked actually as a national sales manager for a distributor of sporting goods. It was a it was the largest uh, sporting goods uh, company in the world. Um, and uh, that's what you know. That was what my previous job was. Uh, obviously, to that. Prior to that, I was actually into um, sales in regards to uh, life insurance. Uh, we did mutual funds. We did a number of things uh, back then as well. So uh, a little bit of a similar field. Uh, very difficult as well um, in uh, in sales, obviously in life insurance. So it was very very tough. Uh, but it was great training ground. Um, you know, it's a it's a great training ground to uh, to get in any other type of sales in the future. Um, being a life insurance salesman for sure. And was that all in Aurelia or somewhere else? Uh, no, the uh, life insurance uh, business was in the Aurelia area. Um, the sporting goods that I did was actually out of Mississauga, which is about an hour south of uh, where I was located. Um, and that's part of the reason why I obviously wanted to uh, to move and, and to leave that uh, that industry and get into the mortgage brokering, so I could move back to the uh, to the hometown where I wanted to be. The, yeah, the reason I ask that is that um, because you definitely, when we were chatting before, you're saying you're, you you kind of rocked your mortgage business just starting off and and kind of were doubling some years. And I thought, okay, did you have any sort of network built before this, or did you just come in fresh? And so you would have had a little bit of a network, but you did take a break from from you know the financial we, industry doing something else so did you think that helped did. you a lot have, well it, it did help me a lot for sure but um it, it was more so the techniques and the sales and things like that in regards to the database i had zero database starting up um, when i first got into the mortgaging industry i actually started up uh, with mortgage intelligence um and started up a brand new company so it wasn't even in the really so i had no company i had no experience in the mortgaging industry and i had to sink or swim real fast so uh, virtually, I started from scratch with no database and no experience and learned very, very quickly, um, you know, the sales techniques. I went to a lot of different courses. I went to a lot of different seminars uh, and learned very quickly that you got to work hard, uh, especially in the beginning. It, it just doesn't come natural, you know, where, where people are going to be calling you. So I had to work very, very difficult and very, very hard. But I realized right in the beginning that I needed to make sure that I looked professional and that I took it seriously. So I opened up an office with zero clients zero staff and zero um, portfolio. Um, everyone around me thought I was absolutely crazy. 
Um, my first day actually on the job was actually at a, at a uh, symbol conference, <laughs> which I virtually knew not, not one person actually in the industry. Um, so it was a real eye opener for me. But I learned very quickly that I needed to open up and make sure that I had a presence in a small town and make sure that I actually got a secretary to help me out with the paperwork, even though I knew that I didn't need her right away, that I knew that I needed her eventually. So I wanted to start off, you know, virtually from scratch and start running uh, rather than waiting till it's too late to hire uh, staff at that point to train them. Right. So you were building a business right from the beginning, not just a sales job for yourself because you, with, with the sort of decisions that you were making on day one, which is getting an office and, and an assistant. Yeah, it was, it was a bold move for sure. Um, you know, opening up an office, uh, you know, buying all the equipment, uh, getting all the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, desks and everything that we needed. But I realized right away that I wanted to not be a one-man band where I wanted to have a, a professional office in a small town where people could come in and drop in and the numbers that I needed to do, that I felt that I needed to do to earn a living, I needed definitely some help and support. I figured if I brought them in very, very early in the beginning, I could train them and I could teach them uh, rather than waiting till it's too busy and then trying to train somebody when it's very, very busy. So I realized right away that I needed help and I wanted to uh, make sure that I had good support and hire the right people and make sure that I'm surrounding myself with really, really good people. So one quick question before I move on, because I could spend a, like the whole interview on this, but the pers- the people that you hired initially, do they still work with you? Yes. Um, most of the people uh, originally that I hired are still with me. We just had a lady uh, that just left um, that was with us actually for um, 13 years, and she just, uh, because she's actually moved. But most of the people, um, you know, I have, I've, I have actually an underwriter that's been with me for over 10 years. Uh, I've had uh, people with me virtually from, from the beginning. Right. Yeah, it makes a difference if you're not having to retrain people all the time. Correct. Okay, so we, before we start, I always like to dive into a quote or a success quote. And I find that uh, you know anybody who's doing what you're doing, there's usually quotes or things that have impacted them. So can you share a quote that has impacted your life or business? Well, one of the quotes that I, I, you know, obviously, you know, work hard and, and things will will work out for themselves. That's one of the quotes. And one of the other quotes is 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 work hard and work smart, um, not necessarily work working basically longer. So, you know, the quote that I I go by is is work smart. Um, that's what we try to do every day is make sure that we you know we're working as hard as we possibly can, but also as smart as we possibly can. Can Can you give me an example, like a specific example of where you've applied that in your business? Well, working working hard. A lot of people um, think that they have to work, you know, fourteen hour days to get what they need done. Um, what I try to do is put systems in place and put other things in place so I can actually maximize what I'm doing during the day. Um, and things that I do are much different at a higher quality and higher level than, say, somebody that I've hired somebody else to do, um, which is paperwork and other things. So it's just virtually, you know, maximizing exactly your talents and what you're doing and making sure that you're maximizing your time each day so you don't have to work 14 hours. Right. Yeah, I know. I love that. Work hard and work smart. Yeah, you, it's not like this is going to, it's not easy. Any business, it's a great business that we're in, but it's, there's definitely work involved. And, um, but you also don't, you don't have to kill yourself doing 16 hour days to keep, yeah, to keep things going if you're smart about it. For sure. So, so can you, the other thing I find is uh, failure. I know I've made a few mistakes in my entrepreneurial career and my, in my career as a mortgage broker. And so I always find there's a lesson in them if you take the time to look. So can you share an example of something that you'd failed at, maybe either a marketing strategy or something that, and then what you learned from it? 
Well, you know, there's always been many, many little failures as you go along in the years, and the main thing is to from them, and and, uh, and and don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to to fail. Um, you know, there's lots of things that we try and necessarily may not work out 100% of what we felt that it should have worked out, but but we still, you know, we're still trying and we're, we're moving forward. And probably after a number of years, when the numbers started going up, I probably didn't pay attention to my database as much as I should have because I was constantly bringing in new business and my numbers were constantly doubling or tripling. And I, I probably didn't pay 100% attention the way I do now to my database and I wish I would have actually done that earlier. So, um, yeah, that's a great, that's good advice. So the, when initially, when you had this sort of this growth, cause it's easy, it's the people who need you right away are the ones that tend to get called back. So you had these, you were growing like crazy and you had this database. So what kind of a system or did you put in place since then that has helped you stay in touch with these people, your clients better? We employed a, a database that we've actually uh, put in and we're using obviously a number of different ones that we have, but basically we have a system now. The first thing what I did was I find that when we got busy, we stopped marketing to certain people um, just because we got really busy. So we're trying to you know, obviously do as much business as we possibly can because it's immediately on your desk. When things slow down, you go back to marketing again. Um, I realized that marketing really should be you know, a, a 12-month process and you personally needed to put a plan together. So I sat down and put out a, 20, you know, a 12-month plan and figure out what I was going to be doing each month and what kind of articles I was going to be writing, what kind of newspaper ads I was going to be putting in, what we were going to be doing. And then I actually hired an assistant to do all of my marketing for me. So we have a marketing assistant that does all my marketing for me. We sit down. I tell her exactly what we want to put out in a letter. I tell her how often I want the letters to go out. I tell her if I want it in an email. And we put a whole plan together and a whole system together. So as I get busier, my marketing still continues. And that's where I failed in the past, where as I got busy, I turned to the business immediately and did that. And then as it got slower, I turned back to back to marketing. So virtually, we hired somebody in to do this full time. It doesn't matter if I'm busy or slow, that marketing is getting done. Right. You know, and as a guy, I happen to really, I love marketing. And so that's the one area of my business that I would have a hard time just handing off, but I agree with you. I, I do my marketing, my business goes up and then I start working and then my marketing, cause I can't, you know, do, it's hard to do both really well at the, at the same time. And I, and I found too, that it, it is, it is very hard to let things go. And I, and I know that most of the people that are in this industry are a, you know, type personality where they want to do everything themselves. When I first started off, yes, you know, you're, you're trying to do everything you possibly can. But I realized very quickly, for me to go up and, and do the volumes that I need to do, I have to let go. There's no way I can, I can possibly be able to do absolutely everything and, and do those numbers. So I, I learned that, you know, obviously you do have to let go, but you can still obviously oversee it. And you still, I still have regular meetings. We go through the marketing. I tell them exactly what we're wanting to do in the marketing. And yes, it gets, it's, it gets handed over to somebody, but I monitor it. I check it and things like that, that, you know, they're safeguards to make sure that the marketing is going out is what you obviously want it to be. Right. No, I love that. That's, that's awesome advice. Great lesson from your initial, I mean, that you had the, the failure was that you were growing too fast to take care of a good job of mark continuing the marketing, which is an awesome problem to have. 
so I've also noticed that successful mortgage brokers have systems and processes, and you are definitely no exception to this. And so, can and they are also willing to tweak and adjust those processes in to, in order to get better results. Because what worked, you know, two years ago may not be this you getting be as effective as today. So, can you share an example of like an administrative process or a you know paperwork process that you tweaked that wasn't working, and what sort of outcome you got? Yeah, we we're constantly tweaking our stuff, and we realize that our systems. And as obviously the industry changes and as rules and regulations and other things change that we have to change. So we realize right away that our systems will be constantly changing. I do sit obviously down with the staff as well and basically go through with them in their areas uh, and try to determine with them what is going to be best and what's beneficial. So I do listen to them. I do ask them. I, I, you know, we, we get suggestions from them to figure out what is going to be best going forward or how they think the process should be. Is the process that we're doing inefficient? And if it is, what do you think it is? And we sit down and go through them. So we're constantly tweaking, tweaking our, 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 you know, our paperwork and how we do it. And basically, our process is, is set up very similar to a, let's say, a dentist's office or a doctor's office, where we actually have files and everything's tabbed and everything's inside it. So uh, we've, we've basically been going to certain software to really kind of tweak what we're able to do. Uh, we're going to forms now that we have uh, fillable forms that we have. Um, that we have that speed up a lot of time for us and things like that. So those are kind of the small processes that we've been doing over the last little while that really have been helping out. One of the most unique things that we've just been doing lately is actually I've got one of those square cubes that we use, um, and we actually run credit cards through that for actually appraisals. I can actually deposit the money directly into my bank account. I can write a check, obviously, or or, uh, do it by credit card to the appraiser. So we're not having to worry about the appraiser getting paid they're paid immediately. I can send them a receipt. It shows them exactly exactly how much the payment was. Uh, and that way, my appraisers know they're obviously going to be paid, obviously, on time. And they go out and do the appraisal. Uh, and they know that I'm going to be make sure that they're going to be paid as well. So that's one thing that we've we've done recently to to tweak um, our appraisal process for sure. That's sweet. I've seen those square cubes. You attach them to like an iPad or an iPhone, and then you just swipe the card, and they Correct. It, it, they, it goes right into your bank account? Correct. It goes right directly into my bank account. I can actually send them an email uh, or a text uh, with a receipt. It gives it, it goes directly to them. They don't have to worry about writing a check or bringing cash or paying at the door or coming back. Um, they're right there at my office when we sign them up. I swipe their credit card. We pay for the appraisal immediately. The appraisers, the appraisers paid immediately, and we have a track uh, track record of uh, who paid and what, what when they paid for my accountant. And uh, so that's awesome. So just what, are the, what is the cube? What do they charge per transaction? Well, there's nothing for the cube itself. It's 2.75 for the actual transaction on the cube, um, which most people are, are you know willing to pay. Or if it's a good client, returning client, obviously we'll, we'll eat it. But um, it's basically it's so convenient, though, for the 2.75%. It's definitely worth it. You know, worried about trying to collect checks or going back and trying to collect cash or having the appraiser go to go there and they don't have the money and things like that. So it's a process that we learned um, right up front that, uh, you know, this is what we're going to do to make sure that the appraisals are in and done and paid and uh, in the process run smoothly. And then just out of curiosity, do you pay for the appraisals on your credit card then to get points or anything? Um, no, what we generally do is we'll obviously write the check. Uh, we'll add up uh, most of the appraisers that I deal with in this area know me. So we'll actually add up, you know, if we, if we did 30 or 40 deals without a particular appraisal that month, He'll actually send me a list of those. We'll cross-reference it, and we'll actually send him one check uh, immediately for those ones. 
So that way we know we're in and done and those ones have been paid for them and we're not constantly having to pay them for every single individual one. So I run a monthly tab with most of the appraisers uh, that I deal with. Right, but you know you've already collected the money. That's very that's awesome. We know that's a we've great already collected tip. the money up front, and we know that uh, and he knows he's going to be paid because I'm paying him, not, not not the client. Right. So there's no fear of oh well, you know, get there and they don't have the money at the door, and I can't do the appraisal now, and it, it ties things up. So he knows when I order an appraisal from him, he's going to be paid, and he immediately goes out and does it, sends it off uh, directly to the uh, to the lender. At the end of the month, he says, okay, these are the appraisals I did for you, and then we give them a check, obviously. Love it, love it. Okay, so now switching gears a little bit so that uh, sales processes are important, like you said, systems and sales. So can you, I also think I've adjusted my sales process more in the last probably six weeks than I have in the last 16 months <laughs> just because of these interviews. I've been learning so much. And so can you share an example of a sales process or a marketing strategy that you had made that was working and then you made, but maybe wasn't working as well now and you made an adjustment? Well, uh, on the sales process, we're, we're constantly changing, and it is a little bit different, obviously. It's a little bit unique from, from client to client, but very similar, you know, when you have, uh, you know, clients coming in. Our process is they, they virtually will call in and, and ask to meet with us to have an appointment, or they'll be referred from a realtor. Um, uh, they, Diane, our, our receptionist, will actually immediately make uh, an appointment for them to call in and see me. We try to get as many clients in to see me as possible. We find that face-to-face interview, they're automatically uh, where our closing ratios go way up. Um, also, we want to show them our office, let them know that well, we have a team, that we're professionals. Um, so we immediately set up a, an actual date for them to come in and see me. Um, they are actually sent uh, an Outlook email to confirm their actual time and date that they're actually going to be coming with me as well. Uh, so that when they click on it, we know that they've accepted that time and date as well as acts as a reminder. Once they come in and see us, I actually have a full-time underwriter that actually underwrites most of the deals. Um, and basically, they meet with him. He takes all the information that they need and then gathers that. Once the client leaves, I actually will meet with the underwriter to determine where we're actually going to be sending that deal. The deal is sent off. When the paperwork actually comes back to us, our secretary will actually prepare all the paperwork, prepare a package, call the client, email them exactly what we're, what we're needing, the client will actually come to meet me now, and I sign them up at that time. So most cases, sometimes I don't actually see the client until I'm actually signing them. So it's just a smoother process uh, and a quicker process for them. That way I can meet as many clients as I can because I'm actually meeting them, obviously, at the signing. So at that time – sorry? Sorry, no, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep going. No, that's okay. So at the, at the end, once I've met them, we signed everything. I hand the paperwork back. Uh, to um, my uh, Diane, which is our, our secretary, she'll actually forward all that paperwork on, and then at that point, she's responsible for that file, getting it from where it is to file complete. So she contacts the clients and emails clients back and forth, emails back and forth with the lenders, emails obviously back and forth with the actual lawyers as well to make sure that everything's ready to to fund on that deal. Once that once the actual deal is in the system, our marketing girls takes over and she's automatically on marketing to to the clients even before the actual deal has been funded dude i love it i'm like it's i'm i'm writing down notes here i'm just thinking this is yeah i just i absolutely love your sales the whole process is awesome so you i because i meet with all i'm kind of you know in a smaller community as well and so i meet with almost all of my clients face to face and i typically meet them twice though so but you you don't meet them till the second meeting usually that's correct um, usually if they're coming in the door or they know me or they're a past client, you know, I'll shake their hand as they're coming in. 
uh, and I'll ask them to, you know, please sit with Brad. He can be able to take all the information for me. Um, and then once once we meet with them again is usually at the signing. And the whole whole point of that too as well is Brad, you know, our gentleman, Brad, who's my underwriter, has been trained. He goes through, he's very meticulous on what questions he asks and things like that. So we make sure that the process is in and done um, as well. At the same time, I might be signing up another client in the other office. That's why we can meet with so many clients because we have a process that it, you know that flows very very well, and we're like I said we're constantly changing and tweaking it as well. But with that process, you know we can actually underwrite sometimes you know eight to ten to twelve deals a day, and I can sign eight to ten to twelve deals a day. Right. Yeah. Which. Uh, yeah. That's 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 crazy. Which that's... In, in most offices that would never happen. There's no way you'd actually be able to meet with 24 people in, in one particular day. Right, but so we've kind of specialized down. It's very similar to you know you go in to see a dentist. Well, you go in and the hygienist does ninety percent of the work. The dentist comes in at the end, and goes, everything looks great. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming. Um, and that's kind of the process. There's just no way a dentist would be able to have that many people come into a dentist office and get that way that that processed without having that many people to help them. Dude, I love it. And those I... people, those people become the experts in that area. So they become so good at their jobs um, that it's so efficient for them. They know the insides and outs of each job. It, rather than having me trying to be the jack of all trades and trying to do everything, I realized really, really quickly up front, I need to hire people that are very good at marketing. I need to hire somebody that's very organized and very good at paperwork. I need to hire somebody that's very good with people and be able to input an application. So those are the type of people I went after. Right, and you're obviously doing it. I saw your your numbers were in CMP, and the volume, your the your unit number of units compared to your, uh, you know, the volume that you produce is, and then knowing the number of staff you have is remarkable. So you know, there's people with a lot lower number of units and a lot more staff and people to help them out. So I think it's it's clearly your systems work. So yeah, we re- we realized right away just by hiring more staff doesn't mean we're going to be more efficient. And by hiring more staff, it's more more hands to work through, more people to look at, more you know more people going to be off. Um, and we just realized uh, for us, um, you know, the people that uh, you know we we've talked to, I've talked to the staff many many times, and and my staff paid very very well, very very well. And they realize, hey, one more person comes on, it's one more person cutting into the pie. So, um, you know, what I've done with 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 staff here is they get a percentage of the pie on every single deal. So. The, you know, the way that we work it, it's a little bit differently. So their incentive is to get as many deals through the door as we possibly can because that's how they're compensated. Right. You have the same goal in mind. We definitely have the same goal. And and, and we both all, all realize, let's work hard. We're here from, you know, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Let's get as many deals as we can in and, and through the door. And everyone benefits from it. Right. That's awesome. I love that. That's such good, such good stuff in there. So I'm going to listen to this again later too, just because I know I'm going to pull out some more things. So another theme that I've noticed that a lot of brokers have been talking about lately is this need to diversify income. And so I wanted to get your take. Is that something that you're working on? And if it's something you're working on, what sort of area are you looking at in the next year of diversifying your income? Well, I realized right from the beginning that, yeah, mortgages are are terrific, but I mean, just like in any cycle, mortgages are, you know, it's up and down as well. As the, you know, real estate industry gets gets busier uh, and slower, you know, we need to make sure that we have some, you know, diversification and some other income coming in. Meaning that me from the the insurance background, I realized real early to get onto the sales of the insurance. 
Um, and that was basically my process to try and even out the cash flow for my office as well. Um, so that I actually could pay for a lot of my advertisement and other things. Um, that's how I use that income to actually, you know, do um, put in special supports for us and different computer systems and software and things like that that I normally wouldn't be able to afford. I'm using that other income in on that. So my my biggest uh, income right now is obviously is coming in from the insurance industry, and I realized it's easier to market to one client two or three or four products than it is to find four new people for mortgages. Right. Yeah. No. That's, so we that's we market great. back to the same people. The costs are very, 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 very minimal um, because you're already mailing to that person. So you know, right now um, we're you know we're doing a lot of commercial, um, you know, a little bit of push on commercial. We're doing a little bit of push on Visa cards because we do Visa cards now. We're doing a little. Obviously, we've always been pushing the insurance industry, and I believe in these products. If I didn't believe in them, I wouldn't you know wouldn't push them. Um, you know, we have Visa cards at 9.99. You know, what a, what a great product. The more products we have with that particular client, the more likelihood they're going to stay with me and, and continue uh, using me for the mortgage broker. Right. That, that's awesome. That's other, some more good stuff. So I'm going to move now to the rapid-fire questions. These you can answer with some shorter answers. And so sure. what is the number one thing holding most mortgage brokers back from being successful? Hard work. That's a great answer. What one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? Hard work. That's that's the first double answer I've heard. <laughs> uh, but that's good. That's a good answer. Okay. So, and do you have an internet resource like a software program, like a Dropbox or Evernote, that you use to make your business more successful? Um, we have a number of different uh, products that we have out there. Um, my marketing girl actually has been customizing some of our software as well. Um, we've been working. Um, you know, Dragon is one of the you know software that we use to speed up time for us on on particular notes. And there's a number of other products that we have out there. Dominion Lending Centers obviously has quite a few different products that we use for our database management as well um, that we've been continuing uh, as well. But we're, we're definitely, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're continuing to be on, on the leading technology edge um, to make it more efficient for us for sure. So is that that Dragon software where you speak and it types? Or is Correct. It some- a lot of, a lot of uh, doctors, lawyers, and things like that will actually um, get those, those products. Um, it saves me, um, obviously, a lot of time when I'm in the car, when I'm at home, when I'm traveling or whatever. Um, my son, uh, my home life is a little bit uh, uh, ragged right now just in regards to my son's playing uh, rep hockey and rep lacrosse or all over the province of Ontario um, on, on occasions, on, on, you know, almost every night. So uh, I, take, I take, you know, obviously uh, work with me so I can actually do a lot of that and the Dragon software allows me to do that. Cool. Awesome. And do you, if there's one book you could recommend, what would it be? Um, there's a number of different uh, ones that we, we had out there, but I mean, one of the first ones, uh, you know, that I, you know, kind of first started off way back when was the uh, wealthy barber. Uh, I know that's kind of cliche and a lot of people have actually had it. Uh, but I mean, that's a great, uh, great book that, uh, that I first read. A lot of the stuff is very true to this, uh, to this day, uh, with it as well. The wealthy barber. Yeah, I've, I've, have you read the new, most recent one? Uh, I haven't read the, the most recent one. Um, the ones that I've been um, reading a lot re- recently have been um, Freakish Economics. Um, that's a, that's been an interesting book as well. Uh, and I read motivational uh, books as well. There's a number of books that you know that I've been reading as well um, on that as well. And uh, you know they're they're nice to to change it up and to and to see different things. It doesn't all have to be strictly about business. Right. 
And so where do you think our industry is headed uh, in the next sort of 12 to 24 months? Where's the opportunity? Well, I think the opportunity is going to be is that basically uh, with the brokering side of it, I think um, the teams of brokers are going to get bigger. Uh, I think you're going to see some of the smaller individual um, brokers uh, starting to team up with other ones to make sure that they're using efficiencies. It's very difficult nowadays to be an individual broker and to try to be very efficient um, when, you know, you're coming up against a team, say, that has, you know, 50 brokers and they have a number of different staff. So I think it's going to be very similar to the real estate market that's out there where you're going to see people group together uh, as brokers together to make things that are going to be more efficient um, and uh, make sure that the process is going to be a little bit quicker for them as well. So consolidation, basically, in in is what you're saying. I, I think, yeah, I think there's going to be consolidation in the, in the mortgaging uh, industry in regards to brokerage firms as well as brokerages. Individuals. Okay, so this is one of my favorite questions. It's the DeLorean question. So you remember the Back to the Future movie? I do. And the DeLorean can travel in time. So if you could jump in the DeLorean and, and out of all the places you choose to go, you'd go back to the, your first day as a mortgage broker and you're going to walk into that symbol uh, conference and you could, you got 15 minutes to give yourself three pieces of advice to, in order to improve your business today, what would you tell yourself? I, I would definitely um, tell myself to manage my um, database much, much better. I would uh, tell myself, uh, I, I learned, and I learned this obviously through the process, but to be more efficient right from the beginning and to make sure that I actually made and continued making um, great contacts in the, in the mortgaging industry. That's awesome. I, this has been a great interview. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I will be listening to it again. And I know that because I'm obsessed with efficiency and I'm not even close to where you're at as far as the my, my systems and processes, but you've inspired me. I'm like, hey, I know I can do much better if I just, you know, start focusing on this. So thank you so much, Mark, for um, for taking the time with me today. Just a couple of quick last questions. One, are you guys hiring at all, like sub brokers in your market? Uh, we are. We're definitely hiring in, in in our area and outside of our area as well. Okay. And so, how can people find you online? Um, they can they can just Google me, Mark Good, uh, or they can actually email me, Mark at MarkGood.ca, and that's Good with an E. Good with an E. Awesome. Well, this has been a good interview. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it, and I, I hope you rock the rest of your year. Well, thanks very much, Scott. I appreciate it. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. If you enjoyed this interview, please take a minute, visit iTunes, and rate this podcast. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next month. Okay, that's not true, but I would really appreciate it. Also, I want to invite you to join me on a quest. After every episode, I personally take five minutes and think about one thing or one idea I can use to improve my mortgage business. I encourage you to do the same. Over the next 12 months, I plan to do 100 interviews and make 100 improvements. I'm going to track these to see how they impact my business and, more importantly, my bottom line. Visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com and post in the show notes what one thing you plan to do differently after listening to this interview and check out what other brokers are sharing. Also, if you'd like to connect with me, fire me an email at scott at robyourbank.com. I love hearing from passionate mortgage professionals who are interested in improving their business. Until next time, rock on.